All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downing, and we're going to give you a quick recap of this week in sports. Johnny, how you doing? Welcome to a special Christmas edition of the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. Happy holidays. Can you feel the magic in the air? Oh, man. you Did you listen to Christmas music while you were poorly wrapping your gifts the other day? Technically, no. I was listening to sports radio, but all, <laughs> on all the all the intros to the, the um, segments were Christmas songs. So that's like a that's little like, bit. That's like the diehard of listening to Christmas music. You were listening to sports radio with Christmas music intros. Yeah, it's perfect. It was it was just a little bit, and I was like, oh, maybe I should be listening to Christmas music while I'm doing this completely. But then I was like, I don't <laughs> just, know if that I can do all that. Just to like really imbue your gifts with that Christmas magic. Yeah. Look I at mean, you, wrapped with love. Wrapping is not easy for me. <laughs> I don't know how people do it so well. I try hard, but Johnny, as we all know, wrapping's really hard for a lot of white guys. So yeah, don't worry. <laughs> not a skill that I own. <laughs> Johnny, you want to give me your number sixty-five that I know you very meticulously researched. Once again, it's uh, it's lineman season here for our show. So we're going to go with number 65, Gary Wayne Zimmerman, who is a Hall of Fame tackle, 6'6", 294 pounds. He played for the Minnesota Vikings for seven years and five years for the Denver Broncos. And looks like he won a Super Bowl with the Broncos in 1997, was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, that's my number 65, Gary Zimmerman. Nice. Before we started recording, I was teasing you uh, with my number 65, and I said you would really like it. So here I go. Believe it or not, Johnny, in his first year in the NFL, Alan Joseph Fanica wore the number 65. And, mm -hmm. you know, next week is going to be a huge week for me, uh, and we won't be talking football so I'm happy that I get a chance to talk about Alan Fanica, the reason the bus is, who the bus is, the reason Willie Parker had any success. That's who everybody ran behind. All pro guard uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, also the New York Jets and the Arizona Cardinals. He is a Super Bowl champion. Uh, and you'll remember the highlight of that game, Johnny. 75-yard run by Willie Parker. Who do you think fucking opened up that hole? Oh, against the Seahawks in 2005. Yeah, baby. Okay. Nine-time Pro Bowler, six-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, Pittsburgh Steelers all-time team. And in 206 games played, he started 201 of them and recovered 11 fumbles. My number 65, Alan Fanica. Sweet. Yeah, I did not like him. <laughs> well... He you know, Steeler and then Jet, so mm -hmm. he was a natural enemy. Well, you'll have that. So why aren't we talking football next week? 
Why am I not talking football next week? Yeah, you said something about where since we're not talking football next week. Oh, yeah, my number 66. Yeah. Take a guess who that's going to be, buddy. 66. Um, right, of course. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> but we will be talking football. We, we will. Yes, yes. 100% Don't worry. Mario Lemieux. Don't worry. We're still going to talk about football, but my number 66 won't be a football player. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, before Johnny has a heart attack, let's go ahead and uh, keep it moving here. Busy day for the NBA. Uh, you had drafted a certain somebody first uh, for your NBA fantasy draft, and you were a little trepidatious, but this person fell to you, and you felt obligated to take them, and you said, gee, I hope this doesn't bite me in the ass. And then today, <laughs> there is a lot of chatter and a lot of validation for the draft strategy of don't draft assholes <laughs> and and for once it's not Kyrie I know take it away he's actually paying off so it's if you haven't figured it out by now it's James Harden who is the consensus number one overall fantasy player in fantasy hoops I mean just that's the way it's been for years and if things were status quo and he was in Houston, it would be that way again this year. But even on everyone's draft boards, you know, with the question marks of if he's going to get traded or not this year, he's still number one. But in my draft, he slipped number number four. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'll take him at four. It's worth it. Um, and naturally, I immediately was like, yeah, I mean, this could go really bad quickly. I mean, I thought even if he got traded to like the Nets, and he played with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. He's still going to put up good numbers. Same same if he goes to the Sixers and plays with Embiid. He's still going to put up good numbers. But he decided he's not just going to ruin my fantasy team. He, he's going to try to take down the entire NBA. So Harden had COVID. And part of having COVID in the NBA is then once you have it, you're supposed to stick to strict protocols and not... Not be going out, not not be going out to strip clubs, uh, daily testing and, you know, doing the right thing and get your, you know, your house in order, basically. They and specifically prohibits attending indoor social gatherings of 15 or more people or entering bars, lounges, clubs or similar establishments. Well, James Harden just cannot stay away from the strip clubs. Can't doesn't he have the cash to like bring the strip club to him? I feel like he could work this out. There is a work from home solution here. I don't know. I, the guy is in love with the strip clubs like no one we've ever seen. I, he's <laughs> obsessed with it. I don't really understand it. Do you think it is it's, more or less than Dwayne Haskins' affinity for the strip clubs? Yeah, it, so, it was a big week. It was a big well, week for uh, sex workers in this. Uh, in this COVID climate. And I, like, isn't that where COVID comes from? <laughs> <laughs> I well, no, as long as they, as long as they do the table dance facing away from you, they just rub, you know, <laughs> right. it's good. We're good. They're masked. It's fine. You don't need to see their faces anyways, really. I just, it blows my <laughs> mind. And the reports that yesterday came out that Harden was being an asshole in practice you know, he hucked the basketball at one of the rookies. He's been sw swearing at his teammates, just being to totally belligerent. 
trying to force his way out of Houston and killing his trade value, of course, because that now everyone sees that and they're like, uh, yeah, I don't think we want to touch this guy. And so he's not only, like I said, ruining his own season and fantasy owner season, but he's now trying to take down the whole league because before earlier today, it's a Wednesday opening night of NBA Houston Rockets players John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and another one were listed out tonight. And so the Rockets players were being not that they weren't going to be able to put a team on the court. Harden wasn't going to be able to play. And so the league had to postpone tonight's Rockets game. And they've subsequently fined him $50,000, no suspension. $50,000 is like an hour at the strip club for James Harden. So, I mean, I don't really understand. I feel I feel like the NBA should have been more strict in their punishment and said, you know, we're going to give you a five-game suspension or a 10-game suspension. Listen, if you have COVID, you got to follow the protocols and let's tighten it up and let's get on with the season. Like, you know, the NFL probably wouldn't tolerate that. But Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, it's a, it's a player's league. And so, like, the players continue to get away with murder. Yeah, and from what I can see on the internet, the consensus is it's really not going to hurt his trade value all that much but for the reasons you just stated. They run the league, and it's a the the game itself really lends to the stars being able to dictate their terms. Yeah, so I mean, the, the, that whole thing is, if you don't really understand, it's because there's only five guys on the on the court for a team at a time, whereas in other sports. You know, like hockey, you're constantly rotating lines and football. You have 11 guys. Baseball, you have nine guys. And the the and the impact of a basketball player being uber talented, you know, being one of five guys who can just totally dominate. The players have figured out over the past 10, 12, 13 years that it's their league. It's their show and they can get away with whatever they want. I mean, the stories came out about what Kawhi Leonard gets from the Clippers, um, you know, private dressing rooms and all kinds of other stuff. And so, you know, James Harden's going to continue to get away with whatever he wants, basically. And I know that's what happens when you have trolley gummy candies uh, shaped like your face. (laughs) The Rockets are trying to put a halt to it, but Harden isn't going down without a fight. So the week opened with a hilarious image of Kyrie circling the garden, apparently smudging out the the bad juju and bad vibes and really get getting in touch with his heritage. Mm. Uh, I'll I'll let you explain the situation in its entirety, but I got to say like all of the arguments that I saw in his defense just really made me giggle like how much people are like sniffing his butthole yeah i i get it he's super talented also but in the holiday spirit Kyrie continues to be the gift that continues to keep on giving right (laughs) so last week he plays the preseason game on friday night at the td garden and a couple hours before he's trying to cleanse the the garden of the bad spirits the bad energy in the building and if anyone's responsible for putting that bad energy there it's Kyrie Irving you know so I, I say he should do that to us he should smudge himself that's what's called <laughs> sage himself use it's that insanity. shit like deodorant <laughs> it's, and like 
if you're a teammate and he says he's going to do this on a daily on a daily basis now, and if you're a teammate and he's doing that in the locker room and you're sensitive to smell, you're going to be like, get that shit out of here, dude. You're bothering me. Like, at, one, at some point, his teammates are going to be like, all right, enough is enough. Like, this is ridiculous. And and I get it. Now he wants to pay homage to his uh, heritage. So his mother, his biological mother, who has since passed away, is half Indian. And half black. When she was young, had Kyrie Irving, she gave him up for adoption. He was adopted by two white folks and grew up in a rich suburban New Jersey home with with two white folks as his as his main parents. But he found out through when he was on the Celtics, he did a 23andMe DNA test. And he found out that he was part Indian because on his mother's side, his mother was half Indian, half black. So he has whatever that comes out to about a quarter Indian suit, <laughs> suit Indian, but he only found out about it three years ago. So it's not like this is something he's grown up with his whole life. It's just, just like a new thing to him. And he's just such a, he wants to be like this philosophical artist weirdo. This is what dumb people do when they try to look like smart people. That's exactly what it is. Dumb person trying to be smart and, you know, control the narrative. And I'm not talking to the media and I'm going to smudge the negative energy out of the building. And even though you're responsible for putting that bad energy there. And I say this, this is what really bothered me. Okay. And at the end of the game, when he spoke, he said, I'm going to continue to do it in other opponents' buildings as long as they allow me to do it. And I said, if this was 10 years ago and Kevin Garnett played for the Celtics, Kevin Garnett would have choked Kyrie out if he saw him doing that. He, there's no way he would allow him to do that. And now Kyrie does it, and after the game, he's exchanging jerseys with Jason Tatum and love with Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, and it's just love, love, love. Yeah, go ahead, Kyrie, do whatever you want on our home court. Like, whatever happened to the sports edge of, like, this is my home, this is our home, we're going to protect this house, and you're not going to get away with any of your bullshit in this house. You could, do you agree that Kevin Garnett would never have allowed that? Oh, no way. I mean, Kyrie would never even thought about doing it. That's like, he never even would have, would have crossed his mind. He would like, the, because the whole culture of basketball has changed so much. And it's all this tummy sticks and this touchy feely, and we can go wherever we want and start our little teams and giggling in the corner. And nobody has any loyalty to their team or real hatred for each other. I mean, some people, you know, there are rivalries and there are people that hate each other. Definitely. But I feel like the overall uh, mood and culture is like, Hey, let's all be friends. I hate it. It's, it's one of the reasons why I don't like watching basketball. It's killing it. It's killing the game. And that's one of the things you have to respect about Giannis resigning that five year deal to stay in Milwaukee, like some little bit of loyalty to show to your team and to try to, to get to the top of the mountain with the same team and the same guys in the same city instead of guys bolting and trying to make things easier on themselves because that's the way it's been. It's like they're just grown men babies trying to chase a ring, team up, and make it as easy as possible to go get a ring. And that's not the way we like. We grew up watching it. We grew up with Michael Jordan having to get over the hump. You know, the Celtics had to get over the hump. The Lakers through the years, like all these teams, they had to 
get over an obstacle like then there was a progression year after year after year there was a progression to get to the top and that's what made it so satisfying at the end when they finally won the championships it's like oh wow this team has been working at it for so long and they finally did it and now it's just like oh a you're foregone great. conclusion yeah now it's like you're great i'm great he's great let's all get together and be great and we can win and we don't have to exert maximum energy yes we found a way to 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 beat the system and i and i think that that's just to me i, I mean who really salary, likes that? salary cap the nba hard cap yeah right right there's too many loopholes uh but but i digress i mean it's just it's it's part of it and i like i don't love Giannis as a player because i feel like he travels all the time and it's annoying to watch but i do respect that he did resign in milwaukee because P, i there of course there's going to be a lot of players that look up to him and if they see that he's willing to stay in Milwaukee and grind it out for the next five years, maybe other players will be willing to stick in their city and grind it out with their teams, you know, instead of, you know, because LeBron's going to be out of the league relatively soon. So hopefully Giannis ushers in this new era of players that maybe want to stay with teams. I, I don't know. That's my hope. Moving over to the NHL, Johnny, I'm reading here that we are about to have 116 consecutive days of NHL hockey beginning on January 13th. Usually, Sweet. yes, usually, uh, you know, in that 82 game schedule over the over the four months, you know, there's room for some breaks, some days off. Maybe they got to show a horse race what have you, but it's going to be 116 straight days of action. And important to note just came out today. They have altered the offsides rules to, uh, it's okay. If your skate is off of the ice, as long as your foot is behind the line. Whoa. So like that ticky tack bullshit that's been killing no more circumcising the mosquito. <laughs> is it on the ice is it not on the ice is it enough to overturn is it not is his foot behind the line they are moving to a plane system similar to the goal line in football uh so if you break the plane then then you're good so we're sticking with like the, the spirit of the rule which is not and not like the trying to get into the finer exact detail which is just like i said it's circumcising the mosquito which becomes too much and the minutiae of it is just insane and i don't want to get into a whole re replay debate but at some point it just became too much so i'm glad they did this yeah. i i would love in the spirit of that comment there uh one addendum to this that i think would solidify it as a perfect rule would be uh some kind of limit on how much zone time you get after that play where it doesn't matter anymore. The, the defense, like the onus is on the defense to make a play and not be bailed out by a quarter of an inch, 60 seconds ago. So like mm -hmm. the offsides had to directly lead to a goal to trigger a replay. There's a lot of room in there for interpretation. So maybe 20 seconds, right? Entry into the zone, to the scoring of the goal has to be within 20 seconds or it's not reviewable. I like that. Yeah. So, but it'll never fucking happen, but I solved it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. Cause you look, you, they, it, it just, you can go back too far and it's like, Oh, well, wow. So much has happened since then. 
Yeah, yeah. You can literally put a minute back on the clock sometimes. And I hate when you're watching a game and you see a a close zone entry and then you begin rooting for the other team to get a clear because you don't want your team to have to endure the loss of momentum by getting a goal taken away. Yeah. You know what I, you know what I'm saying? Like that th- this is like next level sports superstition bullshit, but but these are the things that I think about in the midst of games. I'm like, "Oh <laughs> fuck, that <laughs> that zone entry was really close. I really hope my team doesn't score." Like who wants to think that way? <laughs> so they take it away. <laughs> Anyways, let's get right into the fraud of the week. And uh, I'm going to take the reins on this one, Johnny. I didn't know if you had anybody queued up, but I am going to take a good, long, hard look in the mirror and at the jersey that I'm wearing and call out my boy. You know, I love him. Juju Smith-Schuster has to be the fraud of the week this week. And his TikTok dancing bullshit. I follow him on Instagram. I love his dances. I love bougie, his little French bulldog. I love it when he buys poor kids, takes a whole class of children to Dick's sporting goods and, and hooks them all out. He's a great guy. And what he does for the community is amazing. And his TikTok dances are whatever, but the dancing on the other team's logo and making yourself a target, like he got fucking blasted into the next century i in fact i i kind of thought that hit was a could have easily been a helmet to helmet personal foul and we, and we won't get into the officiating of that game which i think there were several big misses we lost and so i went to bed early for this game because i was tired and I, <laughs> yeah, no, you did not go to bed early for this game because you were tired. You went to bed early for this game because James Connor. Oh, and fuck, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't you gonna, yet again. Yes, and I wasn't gonna sit there and pray for AJ Green to get <laughs> a touchdown all night long when I knew I knew in my heart that the Bengals were gonna lose like thirty-one to three. And I, when I woke up the next morning at like five or five thirty or whatever time it was. And saw the final score, I literally was like, am I awake or am I dreaming? Did the Bengals really beat the Steelers last night? Did this, wait, what? Like, I honestly could not believe it. Because I didn't see how it was possible. So, yeah, take it away. After dancing on the on the other team's logo, and not only dancing on the other team's logo, but dancing on the other team's logo after everybody and their fucking mother was like, hey, buddy, you should st- stop doing that. It's pissing people off. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but you just lost to the Washington football team. And then, you know, the Bills, but you you lost to the Bills in a way you wouldn't have liked. You didn't look good in that loss. Uh, And then you go three receptions for 15 yards and just get, again, Juju with the late season fumbles, man. That just like break your fucking heart. Like now that shouldn't have taken us out of the game. And there's a lot more at play and him dancing on the logo. Isn't the reason we lost this game, but it's just a bad look. And for that reason, my boy is this week's fraud of the week. It just seems like Juju has a a lack of focus. There was a statistic that someone pointed out to me that he has um, 
more more TikToks than yards in a game than sh- this year. Oh, yeah, like ninety nine TikToks, and the most yards he had in the game this year was like ninety. So I mean, the guy is a TikTok fiend. Obviously, he needs to chill out, and he's since said that he's gonna stop dancing on the other team's midfield. Like that's like almost like you know Kyrie I, I, going in and smudging and saging or whatever. But yeah, Kyrie's no, balling not, out. Not really, though. It's actually worse because in football, that's a big deal. I remember when I was playing football in high school, like the other team's logo at midfield has always kind of been like sacred. It's just one of those kind of football type things. You know, you don't you know, you don't disrespect the home team. And if you do, if you are going to do it, you're asking for trouble. Like you're asking to get lit up like like he did. So, I mean, I, I mean, I know the players now nowadays are much friendlier on and off the field, but the Bengals didn't like it and they let them know and they said TikTok that juju. Yeah. Well, let's get right into uh the week that was then and we'll start at the end and work our way back. Uh yeah. hopefully we'll find a happy ending somewhere. The Pittsburgh Steelers continue their three game schneid. The worst eleven and three team you ever did see. 17 to 27 against uh Ryan Finley. Mm, yeah, I know. With, who can't even who, throw. Who fucking who came second in their team in rushing yards with 47 yards. Giovanni Bernard had a very impressive 83 <laughs> yards. Like this was the worst game I've ever seen the Steelers play. Ben's dead. Yeah, dead. there's there's Ben's something fucking dead. He needs something to, broken. Uh, he needs to get back to like I, I don't know, beating his salami and and drinking and cheating on his wife because um, somebody needs to call up Jesus to tell Ben to like either retire or hit an open receiver, move through his progressions quicker. Like, take your pick. I mean, and also James Conner being in and out of the lineup all year long has been. I know the Steelers haven't been great, like committing to running the ball and trying to work on getting the running game going. Like they just haven't been focused on that, and that's something. But uh, the fact that James Conner is in and out of the lineup seemingly every every other series, not just not just every other game, every other series, the guy is literally in and out, of, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, and he just can't seem to to get a rhythm going with his offensive line. And that's been a problem all year. So I think that that started early on in the season. And I think what it kind of led to is Ben saying, all right, screw the run game, you know, because, you know, we don't have our guy consistently able to rely on him. So let's just focus on the passing game and the short passing game. And that's kind of how we'll move the, move the ball, get first downs. And for the most of the season early on, it was working kind of well but then we've seen as the last few weeks have happened it's kind of dissipated and there's been drop ball after drop ball but that's and, not and even the issue johnny he on that juju play where he fumbles the ball and gets blown into the stratosphere he has chase claypool for a touchdown wide the fuck open he's they don't not, make big plays they don't make not the big plays the, he is not right, seeing yeah, the field they're not looking downfield they did so they came into this year and they said they 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 passed on the explosive playmaking. They of the the Steelers for the past 10, 15 years have been a team that 
loves the explosive plays and they let Ben hold the ball for three, four, five, six seconds in the pocket. And then he finds somebody downfield. And they said or before the year, they said, we're not going to do that this year. And we're just going to get the ball out of your hands quickly. And they so balance though. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I said that at the beginning of the year, that's why they're going to would struggle to beat the chiefs is because they lack explosiveness in the, in the passing game. And now it, the one thing that they do well was the did well was the short passing game. And now they're not doing that well. That's abandoned them. And now that's left them with nothing. Now they have no running game. They have no long passing game and now they have no short passing game. So they have nothing basically. Well, as we make our way back through the week, we find ourselves at Sunday night with the Browns versus the Giants. Uh, The Browns getting 10 wins for the first time since 2007. Now, as far as I can tell, vying, they're in a legitimate Mm. fight for the division. Yes, they are. Uh, So let me ask you a question. So. So the Browns are going to win this weekend against the Jets. You, they'll, they'll be so they'll be eleven and four, and they'll have a home game against Pittsburgh Week Seventeen. So who has, who has the tiebreaker there if it's tied? Well, we're playing Indianapolis, and it's going to be a tough game. But assuming you beat Indianapolis, assuming assuming which is we, a mistake, but assuming. <laughs> I don't know. Is the answer okay? Um, Try to I think iron I think this out real quick here. It would go to division record, so you would have it on division record because you've already beaten Cleveland once, so you would be one and one. And, and we so, beat the Ravens twice, right? So the Steelers would have a four and two division record. Meanwhile, the Cleveland would be three and three division record. So you you would have them by a game. There you go. So you can lose to Cleveland, but you got to beat Indy. you know they're gonna lose to indy and it's gonna be do or die for the division Mm. uh on week 17 that's the way 2020 is gonna dial it up for us and i for one can't wait because i think we're still gonna stomp the browns really you don't think the browns are going to the super bowl i mean john (laughs) (laughs) how are you gonna say that to me that's that is extremely unkind of you. And well, but come on, let's jump on the bandwagon. They are hot. They got the big offensive line. They got the running game. Their defense is playing well. Baker Mayfield's playing with swagger, even though he's a mistake waiting to happen. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I am a low key Baker Mayfield fan. Uh, however, I would rather saw my own cock off than um, root for the Browns to win the Super Bowl. I gotta so, tell you, Nesto, there's something about the Browns being good. I kind of like. It's weird. I don't know it. The fact that they've like never been good, so it's just a weird thing. But watching them and knowing that they're good and that they've got fight in them, I, I, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I kind of like it too, but in in the way of you want to have a good opponent to uh, to to beat down. Is there anything you want to say about this twenty to six uh, beating of the Giants? Oh, the Giants unfortunately seem to be dipping out of the NFC East race pretty quickly. Uh, well, so no Daniel Jones. I mean, what do you expect? I know, I know. I, I just think that Cleveland has got something. And if Baker Mayfield wasn't Baker Mayfield and he was just a little bit something more, then I would really give this team a chance because he's really good at acting. They've got they've got they've got the core pieces that you want. <laughs> they could manhandle the Chiefs running in the ball. Like the Chiefs run defense was weak, so they can control the clock and really work the Chiefs and keep Mahomes off off the field. 
I think in pass rush the passer. Oh and no! I just think if, oh no! I was what? I was gonna try and convince you that the Bills were the the way that the Chiefs were gonna. I know you've been searching for somebody to beat I the am. Chiefs. Fuck no, Johnny! I can't listen to Cleveland, the Browns. No, I can't Cleveland. do it. I can't do it. All right, let's. Well, speaking of the Chiefs, let's move to the Chiefs. Uh, right. The Chiefs at the Saints. This was supposed to be our game of the week, and it did not disappoint. What a shootout! Um, yeah, it kind of did. The Saints made a late run. Actually, yeah, they did take the lead in the third quarter, but then the Chiefs proved to be the Chiefs. They just have so many fancy plays. They really do. They got fancy plays and good good playmakers all over the place. That t- that flip to Kelsey touchdown was cute, and then the Nicole Hardman catch in the end zone was amazing. But Andy Reid special. Andy Reid special. I mean, I'm just waiting for when they burn out. Eventually, the good teams don't last forever, right? Except for the Patriots. Oh, Jesus. That sounds like wishful thinking to me, Johnny. I know. I they know. got all the makings. So, next up, we have, for me, what was the actual game of the week? Mm. The Jets at the Rams. What? <laughs> I know. This is what crazy. the fuck? Happened a massive meltdown by the Rams and the Jets somehow forget what they're trying to do with their entire organization. So what do you think the Rams said going into this game? What do you think they said? What do you think? No way. Do you think McVay was like, guys, just show up on Sunday. Don't worry about the rest of the week. We'll be fine. Was it something like that? Because it had to be, right? They had been playing so freaking well. <laughs> like their defense was lights out. The offense was getting their thing going. Cam Akers was running the ball. And they're looking like a, a wagon Super Bowl contender, maybe the best team in the NFC. And then all of a sudden the 0-13 Jets come in there. And they didn't just beat them 23-20. to They had a 20-3 to lead on them in the first half. And the Jets almost blew it at the end. But the Rams were a complete no-show. Just like it was like you, uh, they had the day off. It, well, it's a good thing Greg Williams wasn't there to send a uh, zero blitz. Zero blitz, yeah. Ruin the whole thing. It just blows my mind. So Trevor Lawrence was going to be a New York Jet. It was all lined up. And as a Patriots fan, that was upsetting to me, knowing that <laughs> they were going to have to have in, be in a division with Josh Allen, Tua, I'm not when I'm I'm not certain that Tua is going to be great for Miami, but they've got a good team. It looks like for years to come, and then you had, could have had Trevor Lawrence playing for the Jets, and it looked like the Patriots would be the only team without a quarterback for the next five to ten years, and it looked like it's going to be tough times for the Patriots. So, but no, the Jets pulled the absolute most Jets thing ever, and they get a win against the Rams. And totally screw up their number one pick chances. And now Jacksonville has the number one pick in their in their pocket if they want to hold on to it. And let's go. Let's be clear, though. Players and coaches are playing and coaching for their jobs. They are not throwing in, throwing games. They are not in the business of losing games. They're... The co- it's the coaches were doing it. that Earlier in the year, that, that game against the Patriots and the game against the Raiders, the, those were things where the coaches – said we'll put the team in the worst possible position and if it ha- if shit happens it happens and it did happen against them but you're you're right the players aren't like oh yeah let's give this game away but you're right because you everything's don't want to put everything's bad on tape film. out there right. absolutely everything's on film you're playing for every week you're playing for your, your job or every year you're playing for a new job so you don't want to put that out there but the coaches can say 
let's just not put them in the best position possible. Let's put put them at a, at a disadvantage, like call wise. And against the Patriots on that Monday night game, they did that, and they did the same thing when they were up by, they were up against the Raiders late, and they Greg Williams called the zero blitz, and then they were like, well, uh, ever this was too obvious. We got to fire Greg Williams. <laughs> So the Jets win. That's just uh, mind-blowing stuff, but it's the Jets for you, and they do mind-blowing stuff. <laughs> it's just torturing their fan base. Oh, can you imagine being a fan of the Jets? Oh, to- going through that that season <laughs> where you didn't think you'd win a game, and you're actually like, oh, it's fine. Oh, okay, let's what? fucking there's do this. There's a reward at the end of the at the end <laughs> of this 0-16 season. There's going to be a once in a generation quarterback waiting for us at the end. And then to go through that week after week after week after week, and then week 15 gets that stripped right away from you by this team, by Frank Gore, a guy who will not even be around next year. It's just, he had the touchdown. He had the, the, the late catch to clinch the first down and clinch. Hey, the you game know what? For Good you. for him. Good for him. I love Frank Gore. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. All right, let's move on to the Eagles at the Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray, the Jekyll and Hyde team, seemed to get things right a little bit, but you never know how long that's going to last. The Jalen Hurts uh, experiment continues. They fall 26 to 33. Jalen Hurts, he looked good. He looks poised. He looks calm. He looks like you know he's just super athletic, and I think that the Eagles have something, and I think Carson Wentz, Better be um, sharpening up his resume for a a new job. I got a bad sports show question for you. Okay. Who is more likely to be with their team next year, Carson Wentz or James Conner? Well... I'm, I'll say Carson Wentz, and the only reason is because of his shit nine million reasons. Because <laughs> the Eagles are going to have to help finance another him to another team, right? Another team's not going to be like, oh yeah, we'll take that big contract on for this guy who was terrible last year. <sighs> no, the Eagles are going to have to pay someone else to take him on, at least a little bit of it. So, but Hertz looks like the real deal, and I made I, I made a huge mistake in one of my fantasy leagues. I I, I knew Jalen Hurts. They had I think it was sixteen designed runs the week before, which is more than Lamar Jackson ever gets. And I decided to start Tom Brady instead of Jalen Hurts in fantasy. Oh and, and shit! Playing with your heart, Johnny. It cost me. It you cost know better me. Than that. Cost me. I lost by four points, and Jalen Hurts had thirty-nine. Brady had twenty-three. So that was the difference right there. While we're here talking uh, about fantasy a little bit, I gotta shout out my nasty netos on the Alpine Football League. We overcame uh, what what seemed to be an insurmountable deficit. Facing off against Dukes, who had gone 13-1 and 0 this season, the 7-7 Nasty Netos barely squeaking in on uh, some tiebreaker bullshit, uh, (laughs) are moving to the finals, 142-109. to Woo, baby. It's amazing. I've looked, I look at a couple of my teams in the championship round, and I'm looking at them like, how the hell am I winning with this team? <laughs> like, it's, like it's, this team is not good. But hey, I don't know. He's lucky. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. It's 2020 for you, man. I mean, Justin Herbert got us like 37 point, 47 points. My James Conner team advanced. 
and That's Ezekiel crazy. Elliott's on that team, along <laughs> with Ben Roethlisberger. Hey, you know what? We sat, we sat all our Steelers. Yeah, I mean that's that was the move, huh? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just you look you look at some of these teams and it's like, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, any given Sunday. Yeah. All, all right. right. So the Cardinals look good. Kyler Murray, his arm looks healthy. Passed for a career high. Uh, throwing for over 400 yards, so that shoulder looks to be good. But they are in a tight ra- tight race to the finish now with the Chicago Bears, who are hot on their heels. Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky. Actually, well, he's got a part, something to do with it, but I would say that it's a lot of David Montgomery looking like, holy cow, I didn't realize he was this good. And the defense hold, holding things together, but the Bears are making a nice little late push here, and, and they could do it because if so, the Bears beat the Vikings thirty-three to twenty-seven, just to kind of get into it to pivot. It, it's, it's a nice smooth pivot to pivot from the Cardinals, who are the seven seed in the NFC, hanging on for dear life, and the Bears are right behind them at the eight seed, who are now seven and seven after they beat the Vikings thirty-three to twenty-seven. And the schedule for the Bears next week, they're at Jacksonville. So they should be 8-7. and seven. And then in the final week, they play Green Bay, who if Green Bay wins this week against Tennessee, will lock up the number one seed in the NFC and will likely sit all their guys against the Bears. Well, I guess most teams would sit all their guys in Week 17 against the Bears. But since the Packers and the Bears absolutely hate each other, maybe the Packers will say, no, nah, we don't want to let our arch-rival nemesis Get into, get the, into playoffs. the playoffs, yeah. Or maybe we do because they're not that good. <laughs> so right. So <laughs> I guess we'll see what the Packers do. But logic would tell you that it would make sense for Green Bay to sit Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones in that game. Just it, it's a meaningless game. Don't let them get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. But stranger things have happened. So if the Bears win their last two and go nine and seven, which is highly plausible, as I just mentioned. The Cardinals, who currently have eight wins, play the Niners this week, so they can win that at home to get to nine. But then the final week, they're at the Rams, and the Rams need that need the wins for the division, so they're going to be trying really hard. So, And if both teams finish with nine wins, Arizona and Chicago, Chicago gets it. Mm-hmm. So Arizona is going to need to win against San Fran and the Rams. So there's your little NFC bottom of the bracket playoff scenario for you. Ooh. Well, it isn't. It's something to note because the NFC does not have a wagon. They don't have a Kansas City Chiefs. They have a bunch of teams where, yeah, the teams there's good teams, but each team has a flaw. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's the Packers and the Packers and the Saints. They always seem to come up a little short. Uh, the Buccaneers have just been buccaneering as hard as they can this year, even despite Tom Brady's best efforts. Well, they pulled one out against the uh, Falcons. How about the Rams losing to the freaking Jets? And then you got the Seahawks, whose their defense was terrible all year long, but they seem to be getting better. But now Russell Wilson's not playing as well. So each team in the NFC, if you get into the playoffs, if you sneak in, even like Trubisky and David Montgomery could could do something crazy because there is no there is no like unbelievable unbeatable team so that's all i'm saying all right we had the texans at the colts uh texans losing 20 to 27 
Indianapolis under the radar here in this whole race, but definitely a dangerous team. I'm certainly concerned about them next week. Without defense, Philip Rivers seems to be putting the pieces together. They've won 10 of their last 13 games, John. Definitely wouldn't sleep on the Colts. We've kind of dismissed them a little bit all year. Even though we've liked the roster, It's we, we say that Philip Rivers is their quarterback, so how good, how far can they possibly go? So that's a question. But what the receivers have gotten going lately, well, the whole offense has gotten going lately. Jonathan Taylor, the rookie running back, has found his way after a, a tough first half of the year, and that's opened up the passing game with um, – Hilton, Pascal, and Pittman starting to do work in the passing game for Rivers. So the Colts are a little bit dangerous, although they did they, it, they did take a late fumble by Kiki Kuti of the Texans, who looked like he was going in for the tying score, uh, but he fumbled just as he reached the goal line. And just like what happened two weeks ago when Watson fumbled inside the five-yard line as they were going in for the lead against the Colts. Uh, Kiki Kuti goes in and fumbles the ball, and the Texans, Jordan Aikens, looked like he had it, and that slipped right out of his arms as he was on the ground, and and the um, Indianapolis Colts guys got it, and they secured the victory 27-20. Similar thing happened in the Saints game where I can't remember the, the kid's name on that safety play. The ball comes loose. And he goes to scoop it up for a, what would have been a touchdown and winds up kneeing the ball out of the back of the end zone um, for a safety. And who just that's especially when you tally up the score at the end and you're like, fuck, uh, a touchdown wins it. <laughs> a touchdown yeah. there wins it for us. I lost the game. That's got to be such a devastating feeling. It is pretty crazy. Well, speaking of being devastated, the Lions uh, just got taken to by the Titans. I mean, we this was file this under foregone conclusion, but they really put a pounding on him, forty six to twenty five. Yeah, so Stafford played in this game, and he actually played okay. He came in very questionable. He played most of the game except for. Chase Daniel came in for a few plays. Marvin Jones had a big game, and they hung with Tennessee for a little bit. But Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill was just amazing in this game. 21-27 for 273 and three touchdowns. He even had two touchdowns running the ball. So Tannehill with five touchdowns that he accounted for mm-hmm. in this game. And the receiving game looked good. King Derrick Henry was unbelievable. So the Titans yeah, look like they've got it going again now. But Derrick Henry has 100 plus rushing yards for the ninth time this season and is the most such games in a single season since in 2014. Uh, um, Jamal Charles. DeMarco Murray. Oh, okay. Uh, Don't uh, jinx my boy Henry. I, I mean, I need him this uh, week. Oh, sh- <laughs> Just be, let him do his thing. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was worried uh, when uh, for the first three and three quarters – quarters ty wasn't really performing all that well and i was like oh shit well he can't he came through in the end for us well he almost had a touchdown but he got tripped up inside the five yard line yeah like this close and he went down like the three yard line and <laughs> and pascal ended up scoring on us i think it was like a screenplay but yeah he came close to having a td so hopefully we can get that td back this week 
Actually, they're playing the Steelers this week. Oh. No, no. But we don't want, I won't be starting him. I, I don't know. I might. I might. I, I, yeah, Let's I really see. have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've yet to have the strategy session, uh, but luckily we get an extra day as there is no Thursday football this week. Love that. Friday football, though. Yep. Friday Christmas football. I'm kind of like a little six to midnight about it. But speaking of six to midnight in the who's yo daddy game, the Tampa Bay Gronkineers pulled into Hotlanta where Matty Ice has cooled the fuck off and uh, beat him 31 to 27. Yet another lead blown. This guy just <laughs> can't fucking make it work. Johnny, make it make sense to me. So the Falcons are up 24 to 7 with 7 minutes no th- with 4 minutes to go in the third quarter and yet it is not uh, not over. In fact, the Tom Brady just getting started at that point when he's facing the Falcons. I I don't really understand it, but he is 7 and 0 against Atlanta. I don't know. The Falcons have just made it their job to blow big leads in in late situations in these games. It's it's impressive to watch is you're like, there's no way that they can blow this one. And they do. And you follow in the score and you're like, man, how is Tampa Bay laying a dud in this game? And then just, you know, I think the Falcons are just, they, they're, they're good at it. They know how to, they know how to turn it around for the other team. They, it's a skill that no other team has except <laughs> for them. And it's bizarre but the, I, I don't I don't really have any explanation for it. So, Well, I'll bring you back to something that makes sense, John. The Jaguars at the Ravens. The Jaguars getting the doors blown off 14 to 40. Yeah, this one was easy peasy looking for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson even had three, t- three passing touchdowns in this game, which is something you don't see very often. And not much to be said here. So we'll leave it at that. Next up, we have the Patriots at the Dolphins. The Patriots will miss the playoffs for the first time since 2008. The Bills have secured the AFC East. For the first time since 1995. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, this game was absolutely gross. And the the fact that Belichick continues to stick with Cam Newton is mind-numbingly, mind-blowing. He won't even take questions on it because he's such a stubborn asshole. Uh, like, what does Cam Newton have on the Patriots or on Bill Belichick to – I tell you, all you got to do is is kiss Belichick's ass and he'll just continue to, to play you and, and say good things about you because that's what Chad Ochocinco did years ago and he was the dumbest player the Patriots ever had here. And, you know, he was good at running the go routes in Cincinnati. But when he came to, like, an, an, a smart offense like the Patriots, he couldn't figure out anything. They would tell him the exact pattern to run before the play, and he still couldn't figure it out. And yet Belichick would continue to put him out there. And it's because they had a Ocho Cinco and Belichick had a good relationship going back to the Pro Bowl. And similarly... Cam Newton and Belichick have a good relationship, and no matter how bad Cam Newton sucks on the field, Belichick continues to roll him out there, even though the offense gets nothing done. Cam Newton has a total of five touchdown passes this year in 13 games started. No quarterback has done that in the NFL since Trent Dilfer in 1995. 
So Cam Newton equals Trent Dilfer. Yikes. It's just bad, man. It's just like at this, it you're eliminated. You can't score. They haven't scored a touchdown on 21 consecutive possessions. 21 consecutive possessions. They have not scored a touchdown. And what do you have to lose by putting Jared Stidham in there and seeing what he's got? You you need to know what he can do before you go into the next offseason so you can make a decision. Because obviously Cam's not the answer. You can't bring Cam back next year. They, that doesn't make any sense. So you got to see what Stidham can do. And what do, if he's not going to do that, then what are you doing, Belichick? Like you, you say you want you, – his answer to everything is – I'm going to do what's in the best interest of the team. I'm going to do what's best for the team. I'm going to do what's best for the team. He says it over and over and over again like a broken record. I'm going to do what's best for the team, except he's full of shit. He never does what's best for the team. Benching Malcolm Butler in the Eagles Super Bowl was not what's best for the team. No. He doesn't do what's best for the team. He's a liar. He's smug about it. I'm done with him. Move on. Next up, we had the Seahawks beating the Washington football team. I I had a hard time with this game. I mean, Russ did not look good. He had the one big play to Carlos Hyde, but other than that, he he's pretty normal in this game. Against granted a good defense, but they did nothing in the second half after yeah, that. Yeah, the Seahawks offense play. has not been very good lately, and I you're right. They Washington's defense is the strength of their team, and it is what's carrying them. The story of this game was the it was but, the three interceptions. But you're right. There's something not right with the Seattle offense lately, and I don't know if it's because Lockett's been nursing an injury and teams are focused on Metcalf. It's strange how this team has kind of gone throughout this year. Early in the year, it was the let Russ cook movement, and everything was working out great except for their defense was terrible. But they were winning games, and now... The, the defense, defense is, is getting turnovers. Defense is, is getting better, and Russ can't figure it out. Now Russ can't figure it out. It's so, like we said before, the NFC is. It's tough to figure out. Tough to nail down. Well, more tough to nail down. The Cowboys winning forty-one to thirty-three against the Forty ers who have. How about them Cowboys? Who playing at quarterback? Uh, this was Nick Mullins. Who's and that? Nick Mullins, <laughs> he's been quarterbacking for a while. He's been, oh, he okay. was last year was he was better. No, two years ago he was better when he was <laughs> for Jimmy I, okay. Garoppolo. Well, Garoppolo was always you. always hurt, but Mullins hasn't been great this year, and that's because George Kittle's been out. And Mullins and Muddle Mullins loves George Kittle. Like he loves him. Like he lo- he throws to him over and over and over again. Like nobody you've seen in the NFL. Like it's it's crazy. But Muddle Kittle's been out. Muddled kittens, right. So Kittle's been out, so Mullins doesn't have his Kittle, and he hasn't been as good. But Mullins got hurt in this game, so we're going to see C.J. Beathard next week, and I'm not sure that's a good thing. Probably won't work out. Probably not going to work out. Also, Raheem Mostert went out with an injury for the 49ers um, running backs. Uh, But on the bright side, Brandon Ayuk, the rookie receiver, he's been solid, really good. Uh, but on the flip side, how about them Cowboys? Marty, where's Marty? So we can talk about his Cowboys because they still have a fighting chance in the NFC East at winning. They and have to win to out. See. Washington games has left. to lose out. There's two games left. There's like, you don't act like winning out is some magical feat, but it's not. It's two games. Yeah, but they would. They have to win out since four four games. No, 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 no. Yeah, 
they've won their last two games. They have to win out. Oh, okay. So they'll they'll have won four in a row. That's not a crazy that, feat. For this Cowboys team, are you kidding? All right. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I, I refuse to accept that. Well, and Zeke <laughs> Elliott was um he was out for this game, announced out right a couple hours before kickoff, and Tony Pollard filled in admirably. Uh, I love watching CeeDee Lamb play. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. Gallup had a touchdown. Amari was a little bit quiet in this game, but they go against Philly next week. And so, you know, it should it it lends itself to what should be a high scoring affair, I think, because if Jalen Hurts can can get the Eagles offense moving, which he has, and the Eagles struggle defensively. We just saw Kyler Murray shred the, the Eagles secondary last week. And if Andy Dalton can do just a you know, 75% of what Kyler Murray did last week, then we should be in for an exciting game this this coming Sunday in what could prove to be a game that's important to the NFC East race. Next up, we have the Panthers at the Packers. Packers uh, continuing to uh, dominate the NFC, improving their record to 11-3, to 16-24, uh, it's all falling together for them. And Robert Tunyon, man. Big Bob Tunyon. Yeah, I didn't see much of this game. I was at my dad's house for Christmas. So. And then we have the AFC East champions for 2020. Bills also at 11-3. and three, uh, Just k- kicking the puppy. 48-19. to 19, The Broncos lose. Bills clinching their first AFC East title since 1995. The Bills have turned into, a, into a, a, quite the wagon here. So Josh Allen counts for four touchdowns. Devin Singletary, they're, they're even starting to run the ball at an impressive clip. They had 21 runs for 149 yards. That is just that is uh, just under, what, eight yards a clip there? Hear me out. I think the Bills are your best chance for beating the Chiefs this year. Okay. Because they, they have keep up offensively. They can keep up offensively. The defense seems to be pulling it together. Again, this is not Drew Locke is not a uh, a good standard to measure your defense against, but they're making the plays. They're not losing the game for you. Do we think that their defense is getting better? That, that I mean, that was the point I was trying to vaguely make. Yeah. I don't know. I think they are, but it's tough to tell sometimes. They've been kind of inconsistent with it this year. So they did play the Chiefs earlier this year. They lost on Monday night 26-17. to um, They lost to Tennessee already this year, 42-16. to uh, They lost to Arizona. So, you know, the Bills... Growing I, I wa- pains for a young quarterback, though? Like I want, I want to believe, but you look at their schedule and there's some softies in there. Except for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was a good one, and you got to give them that. But there's some, a lot wow. of Denver, a lot of San Fran, a lot of Chargers, a lot of Jets, a lot of Dolphins. All right, all right. Well, the the Chargers are playing well. They just beat the Raiders 30-27. to 27. Our Thursday night stunner practically won the week for us in fantasy Justin Herbert, seven games with 300 pass yards, setting an Keenan NFL Allen. rookie oh, record. Allen. Don't forget <laughs> to mention Keenan Allen, who said in pregame warm-ups, don't sit me to fantasy owners in pregame. He says that and proceeds to catch one ball for 17 yards. 
I was so pissed because that's two <laughs> leagues and two leagues that I went down in. And I am just like, screw you, Keenan Allen. Like, if you're going to suck and be injured or questionable, that's one thing. I'll make it my own decision on that. But if you're going to make the decision for me, then that is not right. up to just, him. That's not up to him. Right. So it turns out later on after the game, Justin Herbert admitted that Coach Lynn said to stop focusing on throwing the ball to Keenan Allen so much. So, like, Coach Lynn, Keenan Allen, you guys, you fucking killing me. <laughs> well, that does it for week 15. Johnny, take us into week 16, please. All right, so like Ernesto said a few minutes ago, no Thursday night football this week, but we have Christmas Day football beginning at 4.30. We have the 6-8 and eight Vikings traveling to New Orleans to face the suddenly reeling Saints who have lost two in a row, but they're still 10-4. and four. It is a rematch of last year's playoff game where the Vikings upset the Saints with the late overtime Kyle Rudolph touchdown. In this game, the Saints are a seven-point favorite. Uh, the Vikings seem to be slipping lately, so I'm going to go with the get-right move in this game and say even without Michael Thomas, which is a disappointing thing. For, that's another thing for the Saints. We were saying like each team has a flaw. Like if, you, if the Saints had a healthy Michael Thomas with that defense, with Drew Brees back, with Alvin Kamara, then I would say, oh, then we, maybe we have something in the Saints. But – now you take Michael Thomas out for the rest of the year, and it's like, okay, now the Saints are lacking in the passing game, big time. So there, that's a major flaw. I'm sorry. Like, you can't – Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the, in the NFL numbers-wise the last two years. So just to remove him from that team, he was a security blanket for Drew Brees. So either way, I still think the defense carries the day in this game for the Saints. I'm going to go New Orleans, minus seven. Here And we move on to Saturday. Saturday, we have three games on Saturday, beginning with a one o'clock kickoff between the nine and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the five and nine Detroit Lions. Tom Brady goes back to Michigan where he went to college and he is a nine and a half point favorite here. And I am going to ride that. So Tampa Bay minus nine and a half is the play. We have the second Saturday game. It is 5-9, San Francisco 49ers with C.J. Beathard going to Arizona. Actually, they've both been playing in Arizona, but this time (laughs) (laughs) it's serious. But this time it's Arizona's home field. So 5-9, 49ers at Arizona, 8-6. So there is no really home field here. Arizona is minus 5 in this game. C.J. Beathard, I have questions and concerns about him. The Cardinals really need this game, so I'm going to go Arizona minus five. And the final Saturday night game of the week is the 9-5 Miami Dolphins traveling to Las Vegas to play the 7-7 Raiders, who are reeling. In this game, the Dolphins are minus three-point favorites. Even though Tua has struggled, the rest of the team has picked up the slack, and especially the defense, so I think the defense carries the day here, and... I'm going to go with Miami, minus three, in this game. Uh, next up, we go to Sunday. Sunday kicks off with the 4-10 Falcons at the 13-1 Chiefs. And in this game, Kansas City is a 10.5-point favorite. Uh, so knowing what we know about the Falcons, they'll probably get a lead. 
like 30, 31 to 10 in the third quarter, and the Mahomes and Chiefs and company come back and win the game 42 to 35 or something like that. So I'm going to go Falcons plus 10 and a half. All right, next up, we have your AFC champion, Cleveland Browns, 10 and 4. <sighs> Traveling to the Meadowlands to face the one and thirteen New York Jets in this game. Hold on, hold on, quick timeout. AFC champion, AFC North champion. No, Not even a- that. AFC champion. No, it's I. It's a joke referring to what I was talking about earlier. Potential AFC champion, maybe, maybe, no. maybe, maybe. No, no I right. won't have. I will not have this slander. All right. Okay, so we have the 10 and 4 Browns at 1 and 13 Jets in this game. The Browns are nine and a half point favorites, and the Jets, realizing they made a big mistake last week, try to correct that mistake, even though it's too little, too late, and they get hammered in this game. I'm going to go Cleveland minus nine and a half. All right, next up is the 10 and 4 Indianapolis Colts at the 11 and suddenly three Pittsburgh Steelers. And Indianapolis is a minus two-point favorite in this game. Find it hard to find any way to take the Steelers here. So I'm going to go Indy minus two because I just don't know how the Steelers find a way to score. Don't forget we also always play bad against Phillip Rivers. Really? Mm-hmm. Or at least that's my impression. Okay. <laughs> that's the, that's my gut feeling. I don't know if that's true. There's There may not be numbers to back that up, but I always feel like I'm like, Fucking Phil Rivers. God <laughs> damn it. That's right. The Chargers upset the Steelers one year in the playoffs in Heinz Field when mm-hmm. the Steelers were big favorites. I uh, That was years ago, but I vaguely remember that. That was like 2006, actually. Yeah, like I said, it's just a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything behind it. Okay, so next up we have the suddenly potential NFC playoff Team Chicago Bears seven and seven at the one and thirteen Jaguars, who are looking Trevor Lawrence in the eyes at this point in the season. It is the Bears minus seven and a half, and we're gonna go Chicago Bears minus seven and a half because we know that the Jaguars do not want to mess up their relationship with Trevor Lawrence at this point. Yeah, especially when they have very expendable quarterbacks right now. Uh huh. It is I'm super sure, I'm easy sure to they're like Gardner Minshew go. Are not gonna pull a jet. So we got two games left to secure the bag, and we're gonna secure that bag. All right. Next up, five and nine, New York football giants at the nine and five Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, this game is important to both teams. Ravens need for a playoff spot, Giants fighting for the NFC East, but the Ravens are a ten and a half point favorite here. I, I got to go Giants plus 10 and a half. Not really sure how they cover, but I think they will cover. Wow. It just seems like a lot for a team that's playing, that that has a lot on the line, that's played hard all season long. So next up, we have the suddenly surging Bengals, 3-10-1 at the 4-10 and 10 Houston Texans. In this game, Houston is a minus 8-point favorite. I can't see the Texans beating anyone by 8 points, so I'm going to go with Ryan Finley and his Bengals. Cincinnati plus eight. Next up is the five and nine Denver Broncos at the five and nine Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are a three and a half point favorite. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, Chargers. Chargers. Yeah, you you would think. 
All right, yeah, try it. We'll go. That that it's the half point that I hate, but I'll, all right, we'll go Chargers. L A C minus three point five. Next up, four and ten. Carolina Panthers travel to Washington to take on former coach Ron Rivera and the Washington Redskins slash football team. Six and eight, fighting for the NFC East crown. I think Ron Rivera has his revenge on the team that let him go. Washington is a two-point favorite. Are they going to have a quarterback? I'm not sure. But they're still a two-point favorite, and I'm going to go Redskins minus two. Football team. Right. <laughs> I, and they don't even it's have a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't even have a quarterback. The Haskins was out with COVID and strip clubs pulling to James Harden. Alex Smith is hurt. Who's going to quarterback? Who knows? Who but knows? You're, but you're still taking them. Still taking them. Maybe. <laughs> it's, why? Because we, we we rely on their defense to take us home. They don't even need to play offense. They'll just keep sending the defense out play after play after play. Offense? Nope. More defense. More defense. Nope. Defense. Keep the ball. <sighs> Dude, Jesus we just fuck. missed the game of the year. The game of the uh, forever. The Celtics just beat the Bucks. Tatum. Tatum hit a game-winning three with one second to go to put them up by two. And then Giannis was fouled with with 0.4 seconds left. He hits the first one and misses the tying free throw. Celtics win by one over the Bucks. Jeez. Yeah. Do you really? Okay. But do you really want to win on a missed free throw? That's not the game of the they year. They didn't miss one. Tatum hit a game-winning three-pointer with one second to go. They were down by one. Tatum hit a three. Yeah. And then, and then there was a foul. Yeah. And Giannis missed a free throw that would have tied it. But okay, no. so that's this, winning the, on a that's a no, winning on a this, no because the shot was made with one second to go. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right, uh, here we go. To the NFC East we go. Four and nine and one Philadelphia Eagles. Try to make a late surge for the NFC East crown. They travel to the five and nine Dallas Cowboys, and the Eagles are a two and a half point favorite here. And you know I'm going Cowboys all the way, even though Jalen Hurts has been great. I just think the Cowboys will find a way to get to six and nine and have a big game in the final week at the Giants. So we're gonna go Dallas plus two and a half at home. Next, we have the 9-5 Rams at the 10-4 Seahawks. Seahawks win this game. They clinch the, the NFC West. The Rams win this game. They are tied for and going into the final week. In this game, Seattle is a minus one-and-a-half point favorite. Tough to trust either team in this situation. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the... L.A. Rams here. Rams minus Rams. Rams plus one and a half. Because mm. I just think that they didn't show up to work last week. Prior to that, they had been playing very good football. Looked really good on both sides of the ball, all phases of the game. And I just think McVay and the team decided it was the Jets. They didn't even need to try. So I'm going to chalk it up, give them a mulligan for that game. Um, and think that Seattle's flaws are worse than the Rams' flaws. And the next game is the Sunday night game. We have the 10-4 Tennessee Titans traveling to Green Bay 
to take on the Packers, who are 11 and 3. The Game Packers of the week. are minus three and a half point favorites here. And I'm going to go with the Titans plus three and a half in this game. Wow. Uh, who do you think has it money line? I think the Titans win. Wow. Is this just your hatred of Aaron Rodgers coming through, or do you actually believe this? No, oh, I believe it. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm. It's hard to separate the two. (laughs) It is, but it should be a good game. Both teams are averaging uh, 30-plus games. uh, Both teams are averaging 30-plus points per game this season, so it's definitely going to be a shootout. It'll certainly be entertaining. Yeah. The the defenses, I think, are like both a little deficient in the ways that the other team uh, is able to move the ball. Yeah. So it's gonna yep. be, it's gonna be fun to watch for sure. Good. It's it's gonna be the perfect post Christmas Sunday night, um, game. And it's cool because You'll love it's, to it's see it. Important to both teams in different ways. You know, like the. Titans need to win for the NFC or the AFC South title, and and the Packers need to win to clinch the NFC number one seed. So it's important to both teams, but I don't know. I just even though the Titans have laid some stink, the some a few stinkers this year, I don't think they will in this spot. Sunday Night Football. I think they'll come to play, and I think when they come to play, they usually do pretty well. So I'm gonna go with them. All right. All right, last but not least, we go to New England for the last Monday night game of the year. Sure to be a snoozer. 11-3 Buffalo Bills at the 6-8 Patriots. Um, just decided that they're not going to score any more touchdowns this year because they don't feel like it. Don't ask us about it. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just going to get the doors blown off. Ah, the defense keeps them close, but... They're sticking field goals only from here on out. Okay. All right. Buffalo is a minus seven point favorite, and I just can't see how you go Patriots. There's no no fans here, so it's going to be a weird, probably dreary, cold Monday night setting in Foxborough for a team that's out of the playoffs. Nothing to play for for the first time in a long, 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 long time. So, and the Bills motivated off their their first AFC East crown in 25 years, you know they're going to want to stomp the Patriots in the spot. So, yeah, I like Buffalo minus seven quite a bit here. The Bills trying to improve to three and 16 at Gillette in the Belichick area. So that would wrap up week 16. And just a note for one thing that we like about week 17, it's a little bit different the way the NFL does it because of playoff seedings and tiebreakers. Uh, week 17, all the games are going to be on Sunday, January 3rd. And all of the games will be at 1 o'clock except for three 4 o'clock games, four, three four twenty five games. So everything wraps up and it, it's... It's nice to see how it all kind of unfolds week 17 as nobody really knows what the other team has done because they're all playing at the same time. And then so you got to play hard as hard as you can and see what happens. So 
Very cool. Good luck in your fantasy championships this week. To you as well. I'm sir. gonna I'm gonna need some serious luck. <laughs> I'm just Christmas hoping... miracle my way, please. <laughs> I'm just hoping uh, Deshaun Watson can have himself a big day because or maybe I actually Herbert's probably the play there, huh? I don't know. It's it's either the know, Bengals, man. either the Bengals or the or the Broncos. Either Wait. either could be a good play, but let me let me just see what uh the projections have. I'll, I'll get them here for you. Yeah, Watson twenty one point eight, Herbert twenty point two, and then in my other projections we got Watson 24.8, Herbert 22.2. So Watson edges them out in both scenarios. Yeah, and they both performed similar this last week, uh, even though Watson had a uh, slightly higher projection last week as well. Uh, Herbert had the the two point advantage on him. Uh, either either would have been fine. They they were both in the 30s. Uh, so we'll see this. This is why we we play the games. <laughs> yep. Who would have thought that Cincinnati would have beaten Pittsburgh or the Jets beat the Rams? Yeah. Both things happened in the same week last week. <laughs> All right, jo- Johnny. Um, Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas to you, too. And Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, enjoy football on Christmas. This is fucking awesome. All right. Have a good one.